This morning, the scripture is from John chapter 17. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. This passage is a bit long, but let's press on together as this is Jesus' prayer for all of us. John chapter 17. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many of you as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men who you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer of the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be as one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except for the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth, Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may, be, they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and the world may know that you sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold, your, they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these, I have, these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your word, and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of God. Thank you very much, uh, Grace. Uh, let's uh, put our hands together to encourage Grace. It's quite a long passage. 
not easy. I time myself reading to myself in the mirror, three minutes and nine seconds. <laughs> anyway, good morning to all of you. And um, before we start, uh, allow me to pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we would like to just come before you, Lord, and commit this time to your hands. We ask that your Holy Spirit will work within us as we hear and listen to your word. Father, without your Holy Spirit, without you, God, all this is futile, all these are pointless. So, Father, we just want to commit our hearts uh, in your hands, and we ask the Lord that you do a deeper work in us. So we commit everything in your hands once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, very good morning to all of you. Uh, my name is Gerald. I've been here, like what Pastor Anthony has mentioned, 2013, June till now. You don't really see me because I'm always at level 4. That's where all the youths and the future of our generations are. <laughs> and uh, it's a fun being with them and uh, you know, we need to spend time with them. So therefore, I'm not always here. Um, it's, uh, it's something which I want to make me- a special mention of. Uh, the, the whole entire IGC cannot be executed without the various hands on the deck, you know, from the youth ministry. As you look around, all the youths who are in the T-shirt, the youth ministry T-shirt, and even those who are not, you know, they are here, and one way or another contributed. So therefore, we are able to put this whole IGC together, and I really want to thank them, that, thank, thank them with, with this. Um, I want you to know this, that every Sunday, we have about 90 to 100 youths coming to our church at 8 o'clock and 10.30, and um, in combining together an approximate number, 90 to 100. And all of them uh, is, is a gem. All of them are gems, and all of them are precious in God's hands. And it's really not easy uh, trying to point every single one of them uh, in life and point them towards Christ and journeying with them in life. So it is not easy, and it's actually a team effort. So I want to I make a special thanks to all those who are seated here who are actually family group leaders in the youth ministry. You know who you are? Uh, we don't have enough time to ask you to stand up and pray for you, but uh, because of your efforts, um, the youth ministry can continue, and that's very important. We, would, we just want you to know that. So how about we can uh, put our hands together and also encourage them a bit? Yes. Uh, now this morning, uh, is the slides ready? My slides. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at that. That's not my slide. Okay. Uh, this morning, the title of my sermon is What Matters Most in Jesus' Heart and is taken from John 17. And I would like to explore with you based on my observation. You know, Scripture is life. Every one of us can uh, look at it from different angles. So I saw it from one angle and I want to share with you this morning. And uh, I felt that maybe these are some of the pointers that the Lord wants me to share with you, what is most important in His heart. But before I do so, let me just uh, share with you a little bit about myself. Is it okay? All right. Uh, This is my family. (laughs) Uh, This is my home, the background. Uh, We we took a picture. I I think it was my birthday this year. And uh, this is my wife. You can see her name is Trifni, and she's seated over there. Uh, and uh, my two kids, uh, one six-year-old daughter, Vanessa, and four-year-old son, uh, Asher. I love my family a lot. Uh, every day, our, our family is filled with a lot of laughter, a lot of jokes, and, you know, and, and things like that. Sometimes we go overboard, uh, and then the woman was, not the woman, <laughs> my wife would say, stop it, la. don't talk all this nonsense, you know, things like that. But well, quite fun, la. so we just you know, go on. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I just want to share with you some experiences. There was this one time, I was uh, minding my own business after work, and, and uh, we were all so tired sat down at the dinner table and then we had dinner. So we were just eating and I was not talking, I was just eating. And suddenly my daughter, Vanessa, put her hands on my, my, my elbow and touched me. 
And I say, Daddy, don't eat anymore. Don't. I said, then I was like thinking, what? Don't eat anymore. Don't, don't. You're very fat. <laughs> I scared in the most English way. I scared you explode. Don't, please. <laughs> it took me five seconds to register. What is this girl saying? And then I look at her. You know, it's a mix. You know, parents, we have this experience. Sometimes we want to be angry. cannot be angry. You know, a bit of funny feeling, you know. Yeah. Then there was this one more experience I had with my, my son, Asher. Same thing at the dinner table. Don't know why. Dinner table, all the jokes are. And uh, me and my wife, we're a little bit OCD. Typical Singaporeans. We don't like untidiness. You know, dirty. Uh, cannot tahan. Scratch the neck. <laughs> so there was this time my, my son was having, uh, we were having dinner. And the whole entire table, the rice is everywhere. You know, when we see that, we uh, tahan, right? We cannot eat properly. We started to scold him. We scold him so much. And then, you know what he did? He didn't cry. Then he, he did this. Shh. Look at him. What's this boy doing? He's scolding you. I said, shh. Keep quiet. The rice are having a meeting. I said, come, come, see, see, see. I said, what? Then he started to push all the rice together. They're having a meeting. Keep quiet. Shh. So we scratch our head and we say, what is this? No. So that's the kind of... Uh, Scenario that we face every almost every day la. It's quite fun la. but sometimes, uh, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I just want to say this. This is just a glimpse of my family life. But then, um, you know, uh, what what is really deep down in my heart is I really want my children to to have a security in their life built on something, especially someone, and of course their identity to be found on someone. And I will say that that will be Jesus, and I hope that that will be your wish for your children as well. Um, just want to quickly share a little bit more. Uh, I don't have time. I, this is my photo. This is taken when I was primary three. That's my sister when I was primary one. This is Sentosa. We were there having fun. Uh, we grew up in a very average Singaporean family, and uh, we were not taught how to love. We were we were taught love in through actions. So most of us here who are old school, we grew up in the seventies. We were born in the seventies, sixties, or even the early eighties. We, we were not told that we were loved. You know, our parents don't come, oh, I love you, I hug you, you know. This kind of thing they don't do. So we learn through um, actions. Uh, if I give you allowance, I love you. You have school to go to, right? That's love. You have food on the table, that's love. Have you finished your things here yet? Huh? Have you finished your spelling? Good. Got star? Love. Very good. And then, uh, you know, I shudder most uh, whenever I have to bring my results back home for them to sign. You know, that is the point of time whereby they treat me kuetiao. <laughs> so, and that is love. When you eat kuetiao, that is love. And we were never known, we were never taught, uh, told that we were loved. And that, that somehow, you know, I grew up with it. And I think a lot of our adults here are like that. But what was really um, uh, something that really, um, uh, that I grew into was this. When I became a young adult, I thought I enjoyed my whole entire childhood. Because, uh, you know, I was given the freedom and I, had, I can do whatever that I want. And uh, it was only when I got married, when I became a husband, and then subsequently becoming a father, the sense of inadequacy started to flow into my life. It was very difficult. Uh, but I had no one to go to. I had nobody to tell me what is right and wrong. Nobody came and uh, explored with me what life is all about. I had to find my own way. And as I look back, I think I would have preferred someone to journey with me, or a group of people to point out to me my mistakes and what can be done better. I want to say something for the generation here today. A lot of uh, those seated here are from our youth ministry and even the young adults. I want to tell the adults here, they need mentors. 
we, we all need mentors, and they, they do need someone to journey with them in life. A lot of them, they don't say it out, but they're crying out and saying that, can someone point me the right direction? Can, tell me, can someone tell me who Jesus is? And they don't have anybody. I think that is beautiful, okay? If we can just journey with them. Um, I want to say also to the parents, parents, let's rise up even more within our own families and even in church, especially, especially for the guys, for the fathers. How many of you are fathers here? Can you raise up your hands? Can we see? Wow. So if you are fathers, I want to encourage you to rise up even more and take the lead in the family to point our family in life, in this life journey, and especially pointing our family towards Christ. Uh, I know and understand it's very tiring after a day's work. We tend to lay back a little bit. Lay back means relax. Huh? And then uh, leave the decision-making to our wives and the ladies. I think that's uh, going to be very disastrous. We should do it together with them, right? The ladies in this room, do you agree? No. Oh, they're okay. <laughs> they prefer to make the decisions. <laughs> Do you prefer to make the decisions, ladies? <laughs> or you prefer the man to do it together with you? Man to do it together with you, right? Yeah. So I just want to say this. Um, there are some things that I intentionally tell my children every other day. In, in hope that I will build up within their hearts, uh, their sense of security and uh, their identity. So can I share with, it, with you what I tell them? Children, where are you? Are you here seated? Do you have the worksheet? Can you wave it up, raise it up really high and wave so that Uncle Gerald knows where you are? Okay, very good. You're spread across the whole entire sanctuary like butter. Very good. Now, I want you to take note, children. Look at the right corner here. Whenever you see an icon, that will indicate that a worksheet, you have to fill up the blanks. So you look at your worksheet. One of the pages is a big love, right? Now, those blanks on the big love, you can find the answers here. Parents, please help them. This worksheet is designed in such a way that you have to bring it home and talk to them about it. Because some of the words can be a little bit team. Okay? So, let's quickly go through this. I tell my, my, my children this, number one, uh, that daddy loves you. I look at them and I tell them, daddy loves you. Okay? I really do. And I want to assure them that they are loved. Number two, I tell them, Mommy loves you. I want them to know that your father and your mother loves you. Number three, I intentionally bring them together. Don't care whether they fight or not. Before that moment, I bring them together. I say, look at each other. And I tell them, say to each other, I love you. And they do that because they're children. I want to instill in them to understand that they are loved. Okay? Number four, which is very important, I tell them that Jesus loved them. I say, Jesus loves you more than daddy and mommy because he died for you and me on the cross for our sins and you know what because of that no matter what happens in life you stick to jesus i explain it even further i say that you know you as you grow up huh? i tell asher and, and vanessa as you grow up taller like daddy and mommy no matter what happens in life you stick to jesus that means even if i die you stick to jesus okay and number six, which is something which is very important, and I think Singaporeans, we need to learn this. We don't explicitly say this out, but somehow or other, um, we, 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 we express it through our actions, and it may not be healthy. I tell my children this, you do not need to prove yourself, I'm already proud of you. 
That means you don't need to get 100 marks all the time for your tingsay and spelling. I'm really proud of you. You don't need to go to the best elite schools. I'm really proud of you. You don't need to do this and that to prove yourself. I'm already proud of you just by being my son, my daughter. Is this helpful? So I hope um, parents go back and uh, share this with your children. How about John 17? How about Jesus? What, what about Jesus in John 17? John 17 contains the prayer that talks about, uh, that records down the longest prayer that Jesus ever made, you know, before his experience at the Garden of Gethsemane. And you know what? All of us may have this experience that when we uh, go through a, a moment of death of our loved ones, right? Some of us, we've gone through that. Some of our loved ones have passed on. Or a friend who's going to leave the country for good and not going to come back. The last words that they say is often the most important. Isn't it so? And here we have John 17, a record of Jesus' last words before his Garden of Gethsemane experience, the remaining part of his passion journey. And here contains the important parts from his heart, who he's praying for and what is he praying about. Are you following me? Okay. Now the first point I want to bring across to you from John 17 is this. Because of time limit, I need to speed up a little bit. The first point, children, can you see this icon? Do you see this boy with a strong thing, strong uh, action? Okay, fill it up. The word, the answer is resilient. Fill it up there, okay, in your worksheet. Parents, go back and uh, explain what is resilient. From verse 15 uh, to 16, it says this, John uh, 17, verse 15 to 16, it says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Jesus was very clear and very specific when he made that prayer to God the Father. What he knows that the tumultuous the, 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 uh, 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 responsibility lies on the shoulders of the disciples. Because here, henceforth, when he is being brought back up to heaven, there is a, a job, a responsibility that the disciples need to take. That is to bring the gospel out to the nations. And we know in through church history, through church uh, traditions, many of them died a martyr because they will not renounce Jesus because they are bringing the, the gospel to the nations. And Jesus knew that. And that job, that task requires resilience. Fast forward to our time here now. What about us? Does this speak to us? Is, is, is this applicable to us as the family of God that we need to be resilient? Yes, it is. There are many, many reports out there that talks about the younger generation today, young adults, especially for you. They say that when you are in a job and you find difficulty in a job, you tend to choose to jump ship, jump job, change job, just because the job is difficult. For kids, when you, when you go through examination period, when you go through assignments, when it's difficult, you don't want to do it. You just leave it there. You know, the resilience that we need to have to push life uh, uh, forward uh, is very important. That is something of a value to a Christian life. That is very much needed. You know what? Jesus is the perfect example of resilience. He spent 30 years. How many of you know that when Jesus passed away, he was... Well, 
he passed away. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, he was 33 years old. But how long did he spend uh, training, so-called in inverted commas? 30 years. The ministry only took 3 years. But he spent 30 years just molding and living, out, uh, living as a person, as a man, and then going through training as a resilience. Resilience is not overnight. Not after this sermon, and then we all have resilience. Resilience is not overnight. Um, whenever I, I don't have a car, I don't drive. And uh, whenever I take bus and MRT with my children, uh, and it's all filled with people, there's no place to sit, I make sure that they stand. And then there are very nice, uh, kind-hearted people. They will stand up and say, hey, they're little children, and they want to let them sit. I ask the adults, I say, no, no, it's okay. They can stand. They can stand. You, you go ahead and sit down. Because I want my children to learn that they are not entitled to all this. Not a sense of entitlement. I want them to be resilient, you know. And as much as possible, if it's possible, if we can walk, we walk from point A to point B, and they carry their own bags. These are small things I try and instill in their lives. And hopefully, as they grow up further, they can be tough. This is something that this world, today's generation, don't talk about. Being tough. Amen? Parents, do you agree with me? We don't talk about being tough. We, don't, we talk about feel good. As long as you feel good, do it. You don't like the job? Quit lah. You don't like to do this? Don't do lah. Don't want to eat lah? Never mind. <laughs> you know, the kind of mentality... And you know what? Resilience is not just a value. It is an open window for the world to see Jesus in our lives. Why? The world will ask this question. What is it that is in you that makes you press on so long when all of us are giving up? There, you have an open window to tell them, it is Jesus in my life and I'm pressing on. Point number two. Jesus desires his family to be set apart in the world. Jesus desires his family to be set apart in the world. Children, okay, let me read to you the scripture that I take it from. It's taken from uh, verse 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Verse 14 is powerful. It hits me. Verse 14 says this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. To me, it meant this. Jesus has given himself to us. Jesus is the word in flesh. And he has given his whole entire life up into crucifixion for us. And we all, as disciples of Christ, and we all, in, as Christians, as we follow him, we will want to be set apart. As we understand the truth from God, we want to be set apart so that the world can see. Isn't it so? Uh, children, once again, look at this picture. Do you see this picture? What is this? What is this? What do you see the man doing? The man is whispering something to the lady, right? Gossiping. In school, do you see your friends talking bad things about your other friends? 
Any? Do you have any uh, uh, chance or rather uh, such an experience? Any, you know, uh, that girl, uh, the hair so ugly, let's stay away from her. Yucks! You know, everybody just stay away from that girl and then you join in. Yeah, no, very ugly, right? <laughs> huh? How about uh, you look at the, the right side, that, that, that one, this one. What's this boy doing? Cheater bug, right? Cheating in the examination. Hey, let me see, la, one answer only, la, help. La. <laughs> do you have this experience that your friends want to copy from you? Should we do this in school, children? Yes or no? No, <laughs> okay. And how about the, the guy, the guy here, this one? What's that he's holding? Money! Greed! Ooh, money, everything is money, 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 money. And then the left, uh, the right corner, have you watched the cartoon inside out? Who is this? Anger! So when you're angry in, in school, when you're angry in your Sunday school, you just let it go. <laughs> Kick everything. Right? Oh, I, I face this every day. <laughs> I have a mini incredible hawk. Every day I have to. <laughs> so we have to teach them. We have to teach Asher on, on, on this. So what I'm trying to tell you children is this. Can your friends see Jesus in your life? Do you do all these things? No, right? Can, can your friends see Jesus in your life? Yes? Many years ago, I was a youth pastor in, a, in, in, in the previous place of work I was, I was at. And uh, I also do young adults ministry. And there was this young adult came to me and said this, you know, hey, Gerald, I've been spending time with my pre-believing friends. Well, I said, hey, that's cool, man. You know what? I spend time with them because I think I really value them. I really treasure them. And they need the gospel. Wow. Then he said, we go zook every week. We go zook every week, every time. Wow. I tell you, I have to be there for them. Zook. How many of you know what zook? Where is Luke? You, 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 can you show her? Can I see a show of hands? Okay, can you raise up your hands and uh, let me see? Uh, uh, okay, don't move. Huh? Okay, let me take a picture. All these uh, party animals are in trouble. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You see, the thing is this. Is it possible to reach out to someone in Zook? That place is filled with temptations. I mean, you talk halfway, one sexy girl walks past. Then, as you talk, there's all the pumping sound and music. It's so difficult to talk, right? And then you are filled with temptations to do many other things. It's very difficult. And then you want to talk to, Je- to, to a friend about Jesus. So parents, I just want, and, or rather con- uh, church, I just want to say this. The second point I want to bring across is this. Jesus desires his family to be set apart. Can we stand in the midst of our friends? Can we stand in the midst of our colleagues? Can we stand in the midst of our pre-believing family members and be very confident and say that I have tried my best and I have tried to represent Jesus amongst them all? I'm drawing to a close. Point three. Point three is Jesus desires his family to have unity in facing and engaging the world. Jesus desires his family to have unity in facing and engaging the world. Can you imagine this scenario? If every one of us are resilient, if every one of us have a mindset of set apart, and then we come together as a body of Christ, like now, you know, it's a very rare sight for me to stand here and look at all of you. You look beautiful, you know, coming together, all worshipping Jesus. 
I tell you, it's a phenomenal experience. When someone walks in and they feel the warmth and the presence of God, that is powerful. Unity brings the presence of God. Unity will show Christ. In, in this uh, scripture, which is very, I, I, I don't think I'm going to read out to you, from various scriptures in John 17, Jesus mentioned three times at least that they, he said this, okay, they may be one as we are, that they also may be one in us, that they may be one just as we are one. What he's saying is this in prayer, that he prays to God the Father, bring them together, Father, let them be one as you and I are one. Bring us all together. Because it is true that, that we can represent, that they, the world will know Christ, that the world will know me, and the world will know your love. Children, do you like to play with Lego blocks? No. How many of you like to play with Lego blocks? Okay, um, I love to play with Lego blocks. Recently, me and my family, we started to play Lego blocks, and we found some. Okay, maybe to say, you go and key in your, your apps, uh, those uh, shopping apps. Uh, Lego compatible blocks, lah, okay? And uh, there are a lot of designs out there. And I think it's fun, man. But you know what? The blocks are all different, right? Different color, different shape, everything different. But what is the main thing that brings all these blocks together? What is the one main thing that brings all these blocks together? The starts that is in the block. The circular starts that is all over the blocks, right? When you put it together, all of them form up and form a nice toy, isn't it so? Recently, I have a conversation with Isaac and he went for this conference and I'll close with this. I'll close with this because we don't have much time. And in this conference, of course, um, it's, uh, it's about, about God, of course. <laughs> and there was this uh, pastor from a famous church. He stood up. He said he don't believe in unity. Well, that was a bold statement. And I was listening to Isaac sharing with me this statement. I said, huh? How can you say that? He said, no, no, bro, listen. See, the pastor said he don't believe in unity because the main focus is not unity. The main focus is Jesus. It is when our hearts are all inclined, focused on Jesus and having Him in our lives, unity comes. It is only when our hearts are all focused on Jesus, unity comes. Some reflective questions and we'll close. Are we as a church actually ready to engage the world and represent Christ? Are we able to see are we able to be seen in the world as Christians being set apart? When someone sees us, uh, Amokyo Methodist Church as a body, a community a community of Christ, will they see, feel and experience Christ? Is there disunity in our church? Unforgiveness bitterness, jadedness, burnout maybe, or competition amongst ministry, possessiveness over lives and ministry, insecurities that is inside our heart but plays out in the way we, we make decisions in ministry, the way we treat each other, insecurity. And I want to say this, we are all insecure to a certain extent. Insecurity is one of the major things that lies low in our heart that causes us to make decisions that is not of God. How about our own lives at work, home and church? 
Are we the same in all live platforms? Or we put on a different mask in different platforms? And lastly, for all parents, can our own children learn from us to be more like Christ? Have we pointed them appropriately to Christ? I would like to invite all of you to stand. As I read out to you those reflective questions, some of it you you can catch, some of you may not be able to catch. I think it's appropriate for us to just um, quieten down our hearts, maybe even close our eyes and go to the Lord in a prayerful mode and ask God to reveal to us in our lives, in our hearts, those reflection, those reflective questions that I've um, read out to you. It is when the church is resilient. It is when the church stands set apart. It is when the church comes together in unity for Christ. The world will understand that there is hope. The world will understand that they are loved.